Today's episode of the Oil Can Podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think the Oilers tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play. Work that clock to your advantage and score last minute tickets. Welcome to the Oil Can Podcast. This is our first show. We're delighted you could join us. Hi there, I'm Alan Mitchell with Daniel Nugent-Bowman. It's been a very busy day. Our recording time is early afternoon on Monday. Uh, and for the Edmonton Oilers and fan base, this has been a, a big, big day. Daniel, you were at Rogers uh, when the news that Sam Gagne was placed on waivers uh, arrived. That must have been a, a jolt for the media and certainly the gathered group and, and fans as well. I would say I was I was pretty surprised. I was uh, caught off guard. I mean, it's not that that Sam Gagne had a you know a great camp by by any means, but uh, here was this veteran player that everyone spoke highly of. Uh, uh, you know, since coming in last season, uh, you know, a guy that I I thought could be kind of a Swiss Army knife, maybe in a pinch, uh, could play center at the bottom of your lineup for a couple games. Definitely either wing. And they were trying him at the start of camp at, at second line left wing with um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and James Neal. So it's a, a very you know difficult situation for him. His wife uh, just had a baby a couple weeks ago, their third child, and and now he's he's probably you know if he wants to consider continue his career rather go down to Bakersfield to to collect his three plus million dollar contract. It's just not you know a, a great uh, you know setup for him or his family. So. Um, obviously, again, he, he didn't have a, a tremendous camp by any means, but there was, there's, you know, this team really lacks offense, and here's a guy that could definitely play a key role on the second power play unit and probably provide uh, a little more punch at the bottom of, of the lineup. Um, it just, there's not a, a spot for him. I mean, Coach Dave Tippett was saying that he wants to have PKers at the bottom of, of the lineup, and that's not something that that Gagne is going to do at this at this point of, of his career, at least with the other types of players that are on this roster. So, um, Tippett did say he, he he does expect to get Gagne back at some point and 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 have him playing games here this year, but it's a very odd start to a, a player that uh, is very much well liked in, in this locker room. I always look at it from the point of view of what the previous general manager might have done. And and if Keith Gretzky were the GM today, I, I think Gagne would be on the team. I think there'd be uh, some of the youngsters we'll talk about in a minute, like Benson and uh, maybe Caleb Jones. What I, what I think it shows is that Ken Holland is not attached to any a particular player or set of players and that he and Dave Tippett have a plan. It, it sounds to me like we're, we're going to be looking at a year of, of scoring suppression. The penalty kill is going to be vital. I think he wants those third and fourth lines to be very low event. They might not score much, but they're not going to allow uh, too many goals and they're going to really rely on the top two lines or so. Let me ask you, Daniel, because the other, you know, we'll talk about all of the moves today and the waivers as well, but the other one that really was interesting to me was when the 
the Lions came when they started practice today. They had uh, Nuge, uh, Leon Drysaddle, and McDavid centering different lines. Now we found out later about Riley Shahan and uh, the concussion protocol, and that will be the impact of it. But it it it's an interesting thing to me that. The Oilers, when you look at their their roster today, and the centers three, McDavid, uh, Drysaddle, and Nugent Hopkins, that group of, of wingers on left and right wing are, uh, you know, they really are the crux of the issue for this Edmonton Oilers team. There's not a lot there, and quite honestly, there's a few guys on waivers who might be superior. What are your thoughts on on the Oilers as they lined up today at practice? Well, firstly, I'll I'll just say that you know you made a good point about Holland coming in and not you know having an allegiance to any of these guys, and you know I, I think we saw early on like everyone had Caleb Jones penciled on into this defense without question, maybe even a top four spot, and you know he gets looked at by Holland and 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 Tippett, and they say okay we don't ha- we don't know who this guy is, we, you know he hasn't really stood out so far, you know he and he was gone before the second week of camp, before the team even headed to, to Kelowna. So it is a, uh, you know, a fresh uh, slate for sure. Um, but yeah, you look at the the center depth on this team, and it, it, that's one of, if not the only strength on this team um, that's had to be shortchanged uh, for the most part, uh, you know, recently, especially last year, because you had to move a guy like Dreisaitl. Uh, obviously, Nugent Hopkins started with McDavid at the, at the start of the year, but you had to move one of these guys uh, to the wing to... Uh, to make you know to to help offset uh, you know a shortcoming uh, on the wings and you know there's just so many uh you know opportunities here for for people to to kind of step up and make a name for themselves obviously James Neal being being paramount there but that's where you you figured okay well Gagne could you know he he's a guy that has had uh success in this league in the past obviously he's nowhere near the player that he once was uh but he does have some offensive uh pop in his game um obviously more so on special teams than anywhere else uh and and obviously uh, you know a guy like Jesse Pugliarvi uh has an opportunity if he ever wanted to come back and, and sign a, a cheap contract uh this is a perfect spot for him to to make a name for himself and it's you know still you know pretty puzzling as to why uh he he's decided to go over, overseas and, and play in Finland when there's a, a new regime here that and and some fresh opportunities so the bottom of the lineup I think you make a good point where it's it's probably going to be low event hockey and the goals against were such it's was such a problem with penalty killing and uh you know how they played five on five at the bottom of the lineup so that's uh been a been a huge point of uh emphasis for the coaching staff and management and something that uh, i think they're they're really hoping changes uh for the better uh, this season i wanted also to talk to you uh daniel about the the Lagesson getting sent down today to me just hammers home the point. I in in preseason I really felt like uh, Marodi, Benson, Caleb Jones, Lagesson, Bear who made the team would would be heard from, and and I thought they were. I I'll be honest with you. I think Lagesson outplayed Manning and and Matt Benning, but it it, it feels like this organization under Ken Holland is is. And maybe we're seeing that over-ripening or ripening that we uh, heard about in Detroit and they became so famous for. I My sense is that there's probably six or seven guys in Bakersfield who are are little, you know, angry that, or at least 
unhappy that they played as well as they did and got sent out as quickly as they did. And when I look at a guy like, uh, uh, you know, and Gagne had obviously placed on waivers today, but Granlund, who uh, uh, understandably he was hurt, so he got a late start, but he's really not shown a lot. So my sense is that we are starting with this lineup, but I would not be at all surprised, especially if they struggle, if we see some juggling either through maybe a waiver pickup or which we'll talk about in a minute. But but some of those guys in the minors, I, I feel like they might not be down there long and Ladgison obviously would be one of them. Oh, I think this roster is going to be in flux uh, through up like very very much in flux throughout the course of the season um you make a good point about legacy and i think he played he played pretty well um there just wasn't a top six spot available for him to start the season um and and, and management's been been pretty clear and same with dave Tippett that if it's a young guy and and i'd still consider langison young at, at 23 um that there's not going to be top, you know, regular six defense uh, ice time for him. Then it doesn't really make sense for that player to to you know be sitting in the press box um, more nights than not. So that that's a role that can easily be played by uh, Brandon Manning, you know, 29 year old who's uh, got one more year. Obviously, everyone knows about the contract and and the trade that that brought him here. Maybe not being uh, one that you would do again, but. He's here now, and they have to make use uh, for him. And and he's a guy that you know obviously can go down to the minors. Uh, obviously, the, the team would, would love for him to, his contract to be picked up uh, by by somebody else on on waivers, but that's not likely to happen. But um, he's he's obviously not not part of the the team's uh, plans for the for the long run by any means. Um, but there, yeah, you're, there are a lot of of opportunities. You're right, um, my, uh, Marcus Granlund. I mean, he was hurt. He had a bit of a groin injury for a few days, but before that, he he didn't show anything. And uh, I think fans in, in Calgary and, and Vancouver, the, the last two stops that he where he played, uh, would know a lot about about that. He's just a player that is just kind of a guy, and they have a lot of these kind of guys on their team that are they're pretty interchangeable. So at least what Holland did was he got most of, of these players on one-year contracts where uh, they can learn a little bit about these guys. If they like them, maybe sign them again for something cheap. And if, if not, then they, they get rid of them. And it's a, it's a transition year. Um, and uh, it's a transition year for those veteran players that are on one-year contracts and a transition year for uh, these guys in the minor leagues that uh, are trying to become full-time NHLers. And, and I think a lot of them are going to get that taste this year. Daniel Nugent Bowman uh, down at the rink today, and and uh, I'm Alan Mitchell, and and there's there's so much about this team that uh, I feel like is undecided, and and uh, one of the the things that makes me feel that way is not just the waivers that we saw from the Oilers where Gagne uh, and Manning were placed on waivers and Ladjison sent down, but the the number of players on the waiver wire across the NHL. Uh, today that were of some interest to me. I, I'm uh, something of a, I, I felt bad for John Willis today. I, I knew yesterday there was going to be a lot of people, but he writes that that daily article on the waivers at the athletic. And I knew it was going to be a tomb today because there were so many, there was so many interesting players on waivers, but I'll tell you who caught my eye. And then maybe I'll get, you know, Daniel to you know, throw in uh, some names that caught your eye. I, 
I was interested in Berchi. I know he's, you know, priced highly, but that's a guy who has some NHL experience and uh, the Canucks, I guess, want to move in a different direction, but uh, that's a guy I was surprised. I, I also like Josh Hosang. I think he's an underrated player, not just offensively, but overall. And, and the third guy that I'll mention, just because he scored in about 47 games, I think he had 14 goals a year ago, is Daniel Sprong. Uh, that's a player I didn't see shaking loose. I'm, I don't think, in all honesty, I don't think the Oilers will make a claim. I think they, they probably should on one of these wingers uh, that can score. Uh, and then maybe we'll talk about the goaltending in a minute because there's a couple of interesting names there. Anybody, and I know you've been busy this morning, so I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, anybody catch your eye on the waiver wire that you maybe thought would be a good option for the Oilers? Well, I don't, I don't think he's... I, I don't think he's a great option just in the sense that he's really struggled to, to make a name for himself in the in the NHL uh, after a lot of flash and dash and junior, but that, that is Hosang, and, and that's a guy who is uh, McDavid's... Uh, I think they played together a little bit um, in, in minor hockey and, and, uh, when McDavid played up with the with the Mar- Marlboros and AAA, uh, but at least they were they were uh, they were teammates. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't really see a great fit here with with Hosang because he's definitely not going to play in your what Dave Tippett style bottom six. And whether he can hang at this point in the, in the top six, I don't think so. Or else he'd probably be uh, you know with the New York Islanders. Um, Sprong I, I like too is a, is a good name. Uh, and the other one I saw that might kind of be a, a bottom six guy that could could work with Dave Tippett's style is Charles Edon uh, from Montreal. Um, I, I could see something there with him. I, again, I'm with you where I don't think they will make a claim, but that's the type of guy that I think um, makes a lot of sense uh, for, for the Oilers to pick up. Uh, I haven't run through the numbers or anything like that uh, at this point, but um, they're, they're they do have a lot of those bottom six guys, though, uh, and I don't see them making a claim. I, I, we were talking actually with Ken Holland last week. He, he expected to be, he, he knows who's who's coming up on the waiver wire, and he he expects to be pretty quiet. Um, so I, I I wouldn't expect anything. Things can change, obviously, but um, that's the kind of guy that that I would be kind of looking at it like a Charles Edown or, or somebody like that. But I don't see anything happening. The other two waiver names that I was uh, interested in were, were uh, Casey DeSmith and Eric Comrie, two goaltenders, Pittsburgh and uh, Winnipeg, respectively. I honestly don't see the Oilers changing their goaltending situation. In fact, I think they probably like Starrett uh, enough to, to you know, maybe play him a game or two here in the NHL. But my, my, I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about this because I – I have a feeling that that Mike Smith is going to play. I think they'll they'll rotate here early on, but I, I, I my feeling is Koskinen is going to have to show something here in terms of consistency because the relationship between Smith and Tippett is so strong and so long that 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 could very easily become Smith as the number one guy here in a very short order. Yeah, I mean, well, Smith uh, has a no-move clause. I know it's only on a one-year contract and all that, so I don't see him going anywhere. Same with Koskinen, uh, obviously the, the three-year contract, uh, and he's got some no-trade protection in there too. This is the goaltending tandem as as much as, uh, you know, there's some interesting names on the, on the waiver wire. I don't see anything changing there. Um, but you're right. I mean, Mike Smith 
um, I believe it's eight of 14 seasons in the NHL as Dave Tippett has been his coach. And Dave Tippett was the one who reached out to him um, to say, hey, would you like to come play for the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, there's a clearly a you know positive relationship that, uh, there, and uh, Smith, uh, sorry, Tippett calls Smith like the the best conditioned athlete he's seen. You know, so that's that's one you know check check mark uh, when you're, you have a 37 year old goalie coming off a of uh, his worst year in the NHL. Um, so so they're both going going to get their opportunities, and it, you know as much as it would be. Um, you know the the things are kind of stacking up in, in that sense of the Tippett Smith relationship for that to to for that kind of relationship and and, and for Smith to, to do well in that regard. The, it would really behoove the Oilers to have for for Koskinen to you know to excel here because of the contract that that he's on. Um, obviously, everyone knows that that contract signed a day before uh, Peter Shirley was fired was was ill fated almost from the start. Um, there was really no, you know, a 27 games, I believe, uh, into that season, just a few more over the course of his NHL career 10 years ago. There was no reason for, for the Oilers to sign that contract, especially when the guy, the guy who's uh, writing his name on the paper in, in, in terms of Shreldies is being canned. So um, that's obviously one that they wish they can have back, but obviously they, they can't do that now. And... Um, and so they're going. They're going to have to live with that, and they're and they're also going to have to make sh- going to have to see what they have in in um, Koskinen in this transition year because uh, if he doesn't um, at least provide better goaltending than he did last year, I was going to say great goaltending, but I don't I don't know if that's if that's possible. Uh, they might have to consider buying him out at at the end of of next season, which would be a very tough pill to swallow for a team that is not anywhere close t- at this point to true you know cup contention so you don't want to be spending money on on guys that are um you know to to, to you know, basically plug holes so it's uh it's not a good you know situation obviously our, our colleague at the athletic craig customs last week did a goaltending uh ranking and uh based on you know interviews from from uh league execs and and whatnot and 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 Koskinen was was dead last so it's uh that could be the real, the really the Achilles heel of this team, and we're going to find out very soon how how uh, bad or, or good I guess it, it could be. Well, the buyout is um, it's so interesting because you, they saved two million the first year, and then three point two the next year. Uh, the cap it would be two point five, then one point three. But the following three years, or following two years, I'm sorry, they'd pay one point three cap hit as well. And the Oilers, uh, because of the Lucic retention and the Sekera buyout, are suddenly uh, spending a lot of money on on uh, dead dollars, and and with the cap likely going up, and there's a lot more freedom a year from now. I'm sure they'd like Koskinen to, you know, just you know, somehow find a way to make it through two of the three years before they have to do anything with them. But we'll see. Yeah, I don't I, forget. Oh, sorry. Don't forget uh, Ben Mapulia too. Uh, he's, exactly. He's yeah. Books for, and that's, it's a guy that, you know, <laughs> paying for, paying for a while and you still have more to pay. So when you, it's the old expression, like take care of the nickels and dimes and the dollars will take care of themselves. Like they, they can't really afford to keep buying guys out and retaining money and stuff. when you have, uh, you know, guys like McDavid and Drysdale earning the money that they're they're making, and um, that's not to, you know those guys deserve every uh, bit of money that they're getting. Don't get me wrong, but when the, you have guys at the top of the lineup that are making that that type of money, you, you have to be careful with how you structure the rest of your lineup, and they can't afford to be you know pissing away money uh, yeah. uh, on, on contracts for sure. 
my sense is they are you know they drafted the Russian who struggled early, but they I do know they like him. I think they like Starrett a lot. The the two kids uh, uh, Wells and, and Skinner are gonna you know it, it's a nice competition there to see who's gonna be the backup in the A and and uh, who's gonna be the starter in the ECHL. I'm sure they'll flip flop as they did a year ago. But that position is so important, and I I I wonder if we get to a point here with this organization where uh, we we see. Uh, not necessarily this year because at the deadline, I think they'll be active if they're sellers, but it probably won't be in goal. But I see Ken Holland as being a guy who, you know, he, he often would spend pretty large amounts of money on goaltending for his starter and his backup. I think they signed Bernier to a, a significant deal to back up uh, Jimmy Howard or to be in that, in that group. So I, I'll, I'll I think, with with Ken Holland, we might see a little different style in goal. Where where even if Koskinen does go away at some point in time, I still think we may see a significant amount of money spent on goaltending every year because that was sort of Holland's mo when he was in Detroit. Do you see that as being possible? And then secondly, do you see that as being different than what we saw with Shirelli and and with Craig McTavish when they were in Edmonton? Well, you know what? I was almost going to go the opposite way in the sense that you know, look at some look at you know some of Detroit's best teams, and and you had a very veteran Mike Vernon. I don't again, this is before the salary cap, so it's, it's kind of apples and oranges. But um, you know, certainly not a star at that point of his, of his career. And same with uh, Chris Osgood. You know, some people think he's a, maybe a Hall of Famer, but uh, you know, certainly not the star name uh, goaltender that. Um, you know, across the league, even, even Jimmy Howard, you know, as he was uh, helping Detroit in, in the, you know, 10 years ago, he's still there, obviously, but, but he, I wouldn't ever call him, you know, a top 10 goalie in the game and, and certainly uh, wasn't making, you know, nearly the money that some of the other superstar netminders were. So the contract that was signed to um, um, Koskinen just seems very anti Ken Holland. And I just can't help but think of, how he wouldn't have made that that signing uh, had he been here. So um, yeah, I think going forward you will see a little bit of a of a transition uh, in how they approach their goaltending, unless you know all of a sudden they this this one of these guys pops up and and really excels, or the market works really well and and they can get somebody say like. Braden Holt being the offseason who's a free agent and at the right price or something. I don't expect that to happen, but just as an example. You know, otherwise I think I think they'll especially while they're in transition, they'll continue to take flyers on guys like Mike Smith on a one year deal and and you know, um kind of maybe go a little bit cheaper on the on the goaltending um um while they're spending money on other spots of the lineup. Um goaltending, you know, you look how many goaltenders are a one quality goal, goalies that are you can count on. You know, there's only a handful, so uh, the position fluctuates so much that uh, you don't, unless you're dead certain that this guy's going to be a star, uh, and it is, and it is a star. You don't want to be spending a lot of money on that position. So I, I think that's more been Holland's mo uh, throughout his career, and I I would expect that to to continue or to or have that change here in Edmonton going forward. 
Uh, that's Daniel Nugent Bowman. I'm Alan Mitchell. This is the Oil Can Podcast, our first uh, of many Oil Can Podcasts. We should say a shout out to our friend John Willis, who is uh, was going to join us, but is uh, a little bit under the weather uh, today. They're, they're, uh, have you caught the flu this year? Because I did earlier, and it was a damnable thing. You've been okay? You're young and healthy? So far, so good. Like, talk to me right. when I start doing a little <laughs> bit more traveling and... yeah. You know, sitting on planes with with people that are, uh, you know, who have, <laughs> who knows what uh, diseases or whatnot. Just, but uh, I, I think I think uh, hopefully we can we can uh, hold off here. But so far, Knockwood, uh, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I, I, let's talk about that a little bit because we're we're really excited about uh, what we've been able to do as a as a trio here with the Athletic Edmonton. But uh, you, you know, we're. We're expanding, we're getting bigger, we're providing more. Uh, and part of that coverage involves, you know, uh, being on the road with the team, uh, going to Bakersfield. It's going to be a very exciting year for readers and listeners uh, to The Athletic because we, we've got a lot going on, right? Yeah, I, I think I did eight road games last year. I'm going to up, it's going to be up to around 15. Hopefully try to get to, to Bakersfield at some point. Um yeah, and I think we're we're gonna try our best to take the podcast on the road too. So, um, of course, you know when you're trying, I'm, I'm doing the first road trip in, in which is takes uh, three games in New York and then one in Chicago. Uh, so those can be long travel days. So hopefully we can we can sync it up properly. But um, between the three of us, I think uh, twice a week we'll we'll always have two of us on, and, and hopefully a lot of cases where there are three. So uh, I think the podcast is just a nice uh, little you know, extra bit that we're offering. And, and, you know, it's a good way to kind of allow people to, to hear our voices rather than just uh, see the words on the, on the page. So um, I think we're, we're, uh, we're expanding coverage and I hope people really enjoy it. What I would like to see, and I, I, I think they're going to be close, Daniel. I, I'm uh, generally speaking an optimist. I, I think they'll either just missed or, or, or maybe make the playoffs. I, I think Vancouver might be a little bit ahead of them and, and finish fourth. But I, I see the Otis as being about an 88-point team somewhere close to the playoff. I never bet against Connor McDavid uh, going crazy, and, and I do like uh, Dave Tippett's shot and goal suppression work in the past. He certainly has a vision of how this team is going to work, and, and uh, maybe that's going to be enough to get them into the playoffs. What's your thought at this point in time? Do you see this as being, a as I do, sort of a a, a – close to playoff team maybe they get over maybe they fall a little bit short or do you see them being less or more than that i'm unfortunately pretty for fans pretty pessimistic about this team uh i see them as being a, maybe a little bit better than last year you know mcdavid dry nugent hopkins even uh, i think they're they're continuing to just evolve and, and be even better players so that that counts for something but there are just so many holes on this team uh, from the wings. You know, you're going into camp with uncertainty at your number four defense uh, spot, uh, even your number six defense spot, because Matt Benning um, hasn't looked very great and hasn't even been given the opportunity to move up the lineup, and he's having you know trouble uh, holding his own at his own uh, position at number six. Uh, you know, certainly question marks about the the penalty killing uh, from last year uh, were, were, remains to be seen how they how they changed that uh, you know with the with uh, the bodies that have been added and whatnot but the the biggest wild card or or kind of black mark to me is the goaltending and um 
you're, you have a you know a 37 year old goaltender Mike Smith coming off his worst season. Um, for those who haven't read it, it was a I think a couple months ago, or around, right around, the, a little after the time that Smith, Mike Smith, signed. But Jonathan Willis did a really great piece about uh, the likelihood of him, you know, being able to bounce back, and, and it wasn't great. And as for Koskinen, um, you know, the book is kind of out on him in terms of guys around the league. You can just tell in close uh, off rushes, everyone's shooting high glove, and it's it's a real problem spot for him. It's, it's almost like he's either they're going into the game down one, nothing or expecting him to um, surrender one kind of su- suspect goal per game. And, and that's a pretty deflating feeling going uh, into any game or into a season. So uh, goaltending is the most important position in, in this game. And, and when you have two guys where there's so much uncertainty that that's uh, just not a good, you know, start to the year for me. So, uh, the one maybe sign of optimism for me is is if James Neal can get back to his scoring ways and and get past that twenty goal mark, which I think he can, that can really be a nice you know bonus to this team because everyone knows how how much they relied on the big three last year. Obviously, guys like Cassian and and Chase Lund had had very good years for them offensively, but if they could get another bona fide scorer in the top four or sorry the top six but have four of them in the top uh six that could be you know a real boost to this team i still don't think even with neil um kind of shining if he can that this is anywhere close to a playoff team i think you know they had 79 points last year i'm off you know generously i think could get they can get to 84 i think they can maybe get as high as fifth in the division they're kind of battling with arizona and uh vancouver to me for that that middle clump uh, i think they're ahead of the two socal teams in the ducks and the kings uh, and then there's the the three at the top so they're they're right in that that mushy middle in the pacific and with the division being as as seemingly as bad as it uh, as it is uh you know i think the two wild card teams are coming out of the um out of the central so you know being anywhere uh, lower than third in the pacific's probably not going to get you a playoff spot and i don't see any real way that they can get as high as third there it's uh i i have them at 88 sounds like you have them 84 i think the third place team in the pacific will be calgary and i think they'll get 100 points for me it's going to be a big gap between the top three that i have is vegas san jose and uh calgary and then the group that you had mentioned which is uh vancouver arizona edmonton and i i I just don't know. It's impossible to say Anaheim and LA. I think LA is is probably last. I don't know if Anaheim. I'm always a little bit hesitant to write them off because of their goaltender, but I I think they'll 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 trail just because there's so many question marks. We'll see. I guess. Yeah, I can imagine if John Gibson was on this team, uh, it would just yeah. be a way different look for for the Oilers. Obviously, there's still question marks. The defense. So we've talked about, uh, you know, the thing with the defense to me, though, is they don't have a, a true number one stud. Uh, you know, Eric Tehachik and I, uh, our fellow uh, athletic colleague, we were talking about this at the at the rink the other day. Um, that's something that they they really lack. They have three kind of nice guys and, and Clefbaum, Nurse, and, and, and Larson, but no real stud. A lot of a lot of scoring issues on the wing. Um, there's just there's a lot of, of holes that are, are going to need to, to, to take time to be filled. And then the goaltending is solves a lot of problems um, when it's going well, and it, it's just a complete deflator when it's not. And I see it kind of being in the, the latter category for the Oilers. 
Yeah, I, I, what I, what I want to say is they'll cut bait and grab a goalie if they struggle. I don't think that's the case. I think they're gonna, they're gonna go with this group and and uh, try to make it to to eighty eight points uh, and muddle through. And I think we'll see a lot of changes next year. I believe we're at our our elapsed time there, uh, Daniel. I know you've had a crazy day. I've enjoyed this thoroughly. Um, we ha- we have to get together and do this soon again, like next week. Well, sounds like we'll be talking soon. So I, I, I can't wait, and I can't wait to uh, to have this be a kind of a regular thing for us uh, at the Athletic Edmonton this year. Thanks so much for tuning into the Oil Can Podcast. For Daniel Nugent-Bowman, I'm Alan Mitchell. Enjoy your day.